Father, we are amazed by the way you love us. And even as we sing those words, we know that we don't understand how much you love us. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts, speak into our lives this morning, that we might sense in a new way that we've never felt before the depths of your love for us. May you be praised and glorified through your people. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to assist us as we give back to this God who loves us. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what need. Because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. 
trials or temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to God invites us to bring everything to Him in prayer. And as we uh, pray together this morning, if you would like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we thank you for this invitation to come and pray. To bring to you every burden and every concern, every joy, everything of life. We do come this morning giving thanks for all the ways in which you blessed us this past week. For friendships that have been deepened. For healings that have taken place. For uh, guidance and direction that we have sensed from you. For protection. Sometimes when we didn't even realize we needed it. Thank you for your grace in each of our lives. Father, this morning we also bring to you the burdens of our hearts. We pray for people who are grieving today. For some, the grief is is new and so tender. For others, the grief may have been from something in the past but it is so deep that it is still painful. We pray for your comforting presence and your healing in our grief. 
Father, we pray for those among us who are struggling with illness. We pray for Beulah Avery, Jill Tyson, Priscilla Waltz, Vesta Mullen, Bruce Brenneman, Bill Roski, Bev Brett, for Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Isla Shea, Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler, and others who may be on our minds today, and we pray for your healing grace in each of them. Father, we pray for the struggles of our relationships. We hurt one another. We disappoint one another. Relationships break down. And we ask that you would bring healing. Help us to take responsibility. Give us courage to, to ask forgiveness and to take the, the responsibility that we need to take and to forgive. And we pray that you will restore what might be broken in our lives. We pray that you will restore what is broken in our world. So much pain and suffering, violence, need. Father, it's overwhelming sometimes. We pray for your grace upon our world. You created this world. You created all of the people in this world and you love us, everyone. And your desire is peace. Your desire is restoration and healing. And we pray, Father, that you will work miraculously in this world. We pray for those who have been affected and continue to be affected by the Ebola outbreak. And we ask that you would bring healing and an end to this. We pray for those who are facing the violence of war and terrorism and so many ways in which we hurt one another. We pray that you would bring peace in the midst of all of this chaos. Father, we pray for those who are serving in the world for you. We ask that your grace and blessing would be upon them. And we think especially of those who are preparing to head out for uh, a short-term missions trip this summer, this spring. Pray for Brianna Austin and for others who are going teams and individuals and other groups and we pray that you would prepare them and that as they go they will sense your spirit going ahead of them you'll do great things and father we pray for our brothers and sisters who face persecution we think of the Christians in Syria some who have been abducted by militants we ask that you would get the, they would be released, protected. And Father, while they are being held captive, may they so uh, exhibit the spirit of Christ that their captors might be open to Christ. Father, help them to know of our love and our support and our prayers. Work miraculously in these difficult places. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We know that you always hear us. And we are grateful. We pray that you will answer in the way that you know is best. As we offer our prayers... In the name of and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, 
he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then returning to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Before you're seated, share a word of greeting with those who are here in worship today. Every time you pray, there is an idea, an image of God that comes to your mind. Now, I think a lot of the time we don't pay attention to it. We're not thinking about it. We're just praying. But every time we offer a prayer, there is this, this underlying image, this underlying idea of the nature and the character of God. And in fact, it is that idea of God that determines how we pray and if and when we pray. I don't think we think a lot about that often, but it, it's vital, it's important. In fact, our view of God is directly connected to how we pray. And how we pray is directly connected to our view of God. And I'm coming to the conclusion that our prayers are, are, the, most, are the most real and authentic description. Of our view of God. How we pray, when we pray, what we say when we pray is intimately connected to how we understand God. I think it's significant then when we start trying to understand that, that we look at Jesus. Many times in the Gospels, we have instances of Jesus praying. We don't always have a record of what he prays, but we often have instances of him praying. And one of those, perhaps maybe the most significant of those, is in this passage we read this morning, as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, an hour or so before he's arrested and eventually put on the cross. In this moment in prayer... What do we see about Jesus' image of God? What we see is really wrapped up in two words. Abba, Father. In this moment of crisis, in this moment of intense pressure, in this moment when the battle for the world is 
taking place. And Jesus has numerous ways in which to address God. In this moment, he says, Abba, Father. The idea, the word Abba, is, um, is probably rooted in baby talk. It's sort of equivalent to our mama, dada kind of thing that little babies do. And first, some of the first words they say, because they're pretty easy to say, and they hear those words a lot, and parents are continually trying to get them to say those words. Come on, say daddy, say dada, say mama, you know. And so that's what comes out of their mouths. And it is, it's, it's, a, it's just sort of a childish baby talk kind of word that means so much to us. When a child says, Dada, Mama, it just stirs up all the emotions in your heart. And the same thing is true of Abba. Probably, it's a little hard to translate into English, but maybe the closest thing in English we have is Daddy. And that's a little bit weird for us to come to prayer and to begin by addressing God as Daddy. It feels a little awkward, doesn't it? Not quite respectful enough. If we were to stand up, and someone would stand up and pray, and we'd say, we got our prayers by saying, Daddy, we might feel just a little bit uncomfortable. This is the Almighty God we're talking about here. If we feel that way, how much more the, the Jewish people who from the very beginning are, are trained, it's ingrained in them of who God is. He is, as he says to Moses, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. That's the translation of that. I am other than you. And it's imperative that you understand that. And this name becomes so important to the Jews that they don't even speak it. It is so It's so precious and set apart and intimate that to speak this name is is considered almost blasphemous. You don't address God that way. God is distant from us. God is greater than us. He he, He strikes awe and fear even into us. And you don't hear Jewish people saying, Daddy. And yet here is Jesus in this moment of crisis. And he prays and he says, Abba, Father. This word is only used two other times in the New Testament, both in the pen of the Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 8 about some of their struggles and their difficulties. He says, when you pray, pray Abba, Father. And again, to the people of the church of Galatia, he says, pray, Abba, Father. And I've been pondering that in my mind. You know, why, why would Paul encourage them to use this language? And I think it's because they find it so hard to use that language, to see God that way. And so he's trying to encourage them to do that. And we also have a hard time really grasping what it means for God to be Father in that kind of intimate way. It's partly because we have imperfect fathers. Now, I have some of my children here in this service. They'll tell you different, I'm sure, if you'd ask them. But the reality is, none of our parents are perfect. When you say father, for some of you, the image that comes to your mind might be beautiful, lovely, awesome, security, peace. All of the best words you can imagine come to your mind when you hear the word father. For others, maybe it's a, a different emotion, a different feeling. Different words come to your mind. Maybe when you hear the word father and you really think about it, what comes to your mind is 
abuse, neglect, pain, apathy. Abandonment. Maybe when you think of the word father, it sends chills up and down your spine and not in a good way. Maybe when you think of the word father, you, you, you think of an unpleasable taskmaster who is continually driving you to perfection. And whether it was academics or athletics or some organization or even just being at home. And every time you thought you attained it, it's that's the best you can do. You can't do better than that. Maybe it was, it was distance. The most common words that replay in your mind from your father is, I don't have time for you right now. But here's the thing. Even if you had great, a great father, great parents... Even if your image of father is is beautiful, there are no perfect parents. Because there are no perfect people. And our parents, however hard they try, are going to disappoint us and frustrate us and make mistakes and do things that are wrong. And they do it on a regular basis because we all do. And all of that has a bearing on our image of God as Father. We cannot help but but see God with those experiences of our earthly parents in mind. But it's not just the image of God, of of Father, on our earthly fathers. Also, there's the church. And, And how people who say they're followers of God live and act and treat us and treat other people. And all of those things also shape our image of God. Some good, some bad. And it's the way life turns out sometimes. It's just sometimes the feelings of disappointment that we have with the way God is is responding to us or at least how we imagine and visualize God responding to us. Particularly our prayers. We pray for God to heal someone we love, and they aren't. We pray to get that job, and we don't. We pray to be accepted into the school, and it doesn't happen. We pray that this relationship will work out, and it falls apart. All of us have experiences where we pray for God to do things, and they don't happen the way we want them to, And it creates a sense of disappointment in us about God. And it it creates doubt in our minds about God. The danger of these skewed and distorted images of God is that they lead us to a pagan view of prayer. Because what ends up happening is when we have these skewed and distorted views of God, we believe we have to manipulate God to get what we want. We believe that we have to make deals with God. God, I'll do this if you do that. Or if you do that, I'll do this. You know, it's the the famous, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll become a missionary someplace in the world that nobody else wants to go. You know, we, we, we're striking deals with God because we feel like we have to manipulate God we, or, or we, we beg God and badger God until we feel like we've worn him down enough that maybe he'll give us what we want. And we do that with religious things. Lord, you need to, you ought to answer my prayer because if, I, you know, I'm, I'm praying more than I was and I'm reading more of the Bible than I was and I go to church more than I used to and I'm being nicer to people, not everybody, but a number of people. So you should give me what I want. 
See, the problem with this kind of mindset, what makes it pagan, is that it is an image of God that screams, I don't want to give good things to you. If we think we have to manipulate God into giving us what is best, something is wrong with our view of God. Because the scriptures keep telling us over and over and over again that God loves to give good gifts to us. Jesus says to his disciples and to the people listening in the Sermon on the Mount, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Does your Father in heaven love to give good gifts to those who ask him? I have this image in my mind of God wanting to give us so much good, but we keep blocking it. And part of the problem is not just our image of God. It's also the fact that we think we know best about what is best for our lives. We figured it out. We figured out what is the best thing for us to do and the best thing for us to have and the best path for us to take. We figured all that out and we tell God, okay, Lord, these are my plans. Now, I need you to do what I want you to do. You know, we're a lot like when we were children. And we want to go play in the street because there's a lot more room. And our parents won't let us. And we get angry and mad. They don't love us. They don't care about us. They don't want us to do anything fun. And then we get older and we realize they were trying to protect us. I figured out one of the best ways to understand our parents and the things that they did is to become a parent. And then you have those days where you go, oh, I get it now. I see. But so often, we view, you know, we just want to do anything we want to do. We, we want to just have fun. It doesn't, we don't think, we're not thinking about consequences. We're not thinking about danger. We're not thinking about any of that kind of stuff. We're not seeing the big picture. We're just focused in the moment. And we, as children, we believe we know best. And what is wrong with God that he won't let us have it? And underlying that whole concept, the whole idea is, I have a better grasp on what is best for my life than God does. And as long as we live with that mindset, we will never really understand the love of God to us as Father. We'll keep fighting. Instead of Letting him love us in the way that he knows is best. I was reading not too long ago a story about a woman who was flying from uh, Tucson, Arizona to Phoenix. Not a long flight, obviously. She got on the plane and it was a rather small plane, uh, commuter type plane she got on. And uh, a woman, a young woman came on holding a little baby. And the baby was young enough that really the only thing she was saying was, dad, 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 dad. And she sat across the aisle from the woman telling the story. Cute little baby. Everyone was making over the baby and, you know, how cute she was. And they were getting to know her and talking about what they were doing. And the mother said they had just been away on a trip and they were so homesick and wanted to get home. And I think they'd only been gone one night. But anyway, they, you know, they were wanting to get back. And, and everybody that walked up the aisle, dad, 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 you know. And so... They took off, and uh, this little baby, little girl, dad, 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 dad. And to keep her quiet, the mother had a thermos of juice in it. And she'd give her some juice and a little bit of fruit and a little juice, a little fruit. And, it, and it, every time she'd start to get noisy or crying, she'd give her some of that. This woman said that it was one of the roughest flights she'd ever been on. It was so turbulent that the flight attendants had to be strapped into their seats. They didn't even get up. And the more, the rockier it got, the more this baby cried. And the more the baby cried, the more the mother gave her juice and fruit. Until eventually, and the woman telling the story says, I don't know how to do this in a pleasant way, but eventually, what went down came up. All of it. In fact, she said, I'm sure more came up than went in. I don't know where it all came from, but it was everywhere. 
It was all over the seat, the back of the seat in front of them, all over the baby, all over the mother, all over the passengers around them, including this woman. She said when they got, it's one of those things where you think, you know, I want to get away from that smell. And then you realize it's you. You know, she said, she said, I got off the plane thinking, do I just burn this dress or just cut off the sleeve? I don't, but it's bad shape. And, you know, people were trying to be nice, but it was awful, just covered in stuff. And so they finally landed, and as soon as they landed, then the baby was fine. Dad, 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 you know, and they're all a mess. So they, she's following this mother and daughter, you know, kind of, they're all getting, trying to get out very carefully as they get off the plane. And she's following this mother and daughter, and she looks ahead, and she sees daddy. She's sure it's him. White shirt, white pants, flowers, little green wrapper. And she's thinking, I, I know what's going to happen here. The guy's going to run to his wife and daughter, and as soon as he sees that baby, he's going to run the other way. I mean, look at his clothes. And he ran to her, and he said, she said, I don't want to say the mother threw the baby at him, but she certainly gave him to her, gave her to him as quickly as she possibly could, and took off to try to get cleaned up. And the woman said, to her amazement, the father didn't hold the baby out like this while he waited for her to come back. He embraced that baby. And he kissed that baby over and over again. And kept saying, daddy's baby's come home. Daddy's baby's come home. And she said, I followed him all the way to the baggage claim. And he never stopped kissing that baby all the way. And loving on that baby. And she said, all of a sudden it hit me. What would make me think that my loving heavenly father would be any less loving of me and all of my messes and all of my stuff? What would make me think that he'd be any less loving than a father in white slacks and a white shirt holding a messy baby? You know, in this Lenten season, we're thinking about the cross and we're thinking about contemplating our sins and our failings and our struggles. And in those moments, in our wrestling, we wonder, okay, God, is this too much? Is my sin too much? Are you going to run from me? Am I too messy? And in this moment, we need to hear Jesus and see Jesus and turn to the cross and watch his embrace and say, you're never too messy. You just, you come to me. I think one of the reasons sometimes in the church we struggle to really grasp this as the nature and character of God is that the emphasis of God in the church has shifted through the years. Dennis Kinlaw says that in the first three centuries of the church, the focus of, of who God is was on his fatherhood. I mean, they, they talked about all the other characteristics of God, his sovereignty and his creative genius. But the focus was on God as Father, which is why the creeds begin, I believe in God the Father. That's the center point. That is the, that's the, that's the, the core of the nature of God. And for the, the early church fathers, the real emphasis on human relationship to God and God's relationship to humans was on reconciliation and healing far more than it was on justification. And they loved to talk about God and the relationship of humans to God in family terms. But eventually down the road we came to see God as a judge. And we use most of the time our language as legal terms. And it's vastly different. It's a whole lot different coming home with our messes to a father than it is coming to a courtroom with our messes to a judge. And it changes how we think, how we view that being, our willingness to be honest and to surrender. Kinlaw says that, you know, the, the core of God's being is not sovereignty, as important as that is. Because the core of God's being is love. 
God didn't need to be sovereign until he created something over which to be sovereign. But the Trinity has always interacted in the spirit of love. Father, Son, and Spirit, their relationship is not held together by by sovereignty, by power, but by love. It's about relationship. And at the core of God's being, the God who is sovereign, the God who is almighty, but at the core of his being is love. Loving Father. And when we come to him with all of the junk and the messes and the struggles of our lives and the burden and the anxiety and the stress and everything that eats away at us, when we come to him in prayer, what he wants from us is for us to say, Abba, Father. And in essence, to crawl up in his lap And to let him hold us and embrace us and heal us and restore us and forgive us. And it doesn't mean he's going to give us everything that we want. Loving fathers don't do that. But he's going to give us what is best. And there is a big difference. This is the only time we have recorded of Jesus ever addressing God as Abba. Some scholars believe that he uses that as his prayer all the time, but there's no way to really know. But it seems significant to me that this is the one time, at least, that we have it recorded. In this moment of greatest crisis, in this moment of when the battle for the world is hanging in the balance. In this moment of of prayer as the battle and the stress and the weight of everything coming to a head, Jesus says, Abba, Father. And there is in that phrase this childlike vulnerability, this childlike trust That if he places himself into the care and the hands of his father, whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And God is inviting us to that same type of praying, that same type of living. And when life goes exactly the way we want it to, we trust him. And when life doesn't go the way we want it to, we trust him. Because we're convinced, down in the depths of our being, we're convinced that he is indeed our loving, heavenly father. And he is for us. And in his presence, we will find what desperately deep inside we need and want. As you think about the stuff going on in your life, as you think about the messes you're wrestling with, the decisions, the struggles, the battles, the failures? Can you you see, can you see the Father's smile, his loving embrace, his open arms? Gracious Father, we thank you for who you are. Father, give us a clearer image 
of you as Abba, Father. Let that image permeate every part of our being and change our thinking and our lives and our hearts and everything about us. Pray this through Christ. Amen. Please stand as we sing together. Bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.